everyone, and welcome to the Categorically Romance Podcast. My name is Bree, and I am joined by, oh my gosh, a romance rock star. Maisie Yates is back. Maisie, thank you so much for being here. Oh, I'm so excited to be back. I had so much fun last time, so just looking forward to talking again today. Thank you. Okay, you have a, you have a lot going on. First and foremost, I have to say congratulations you you and your husband just recently celebrated 18 years of marriage we did does it feel like you guys just got married like five minutes ago (laughs) well like in the way that everything feels like it was five minutes ago but I was saying to him I'm like it sounds like I mean this in a bad way and I don't but I was like it feels like it's been so much longer but but in the sense that like we were talking about I was 19 when we got married I jumped the gun on the half my life thing But I I was like, I was 19 when we got married. I was 18 when we started dating. He's a little older than I am. He doesn't look like it. He's very well preserved. But uh, he, you know, I was like, that's been like my whole adult life has been being married to him. So I'm like, in, in that sense, I'm like, I don't like, I feel like we've always been this like partnership. And also we have a 17 year old son. So it's like, we know, I'm like, we've been, we've been grappling with the fact that he's coming to the end of his junior year and he's going to be a senior next year. And we're like, yeah, in that sense, like every year is out there in the form of this kid that's now taller than I am. So in that sense, you know, I'm like, yeah, I have a real sense of the passage of time, but, but in other ways, yeah, it feels like it hasn't been very long, but it's just like, I'm like, I like, and I feel so fortunate too. Cause like when you get married young, <laughs> I feel like you don't really know what you want. You don't really know what like doing the doing life is going to look like. And I just feel like we're so fortunate because we have sort of grown up together and, and it works. It's, it's working for us. It it's, it's good. Your, your caption, you said something that I, I like, Oh my gosh, I feel like I, I started crying at this one part. You were like, sometimes it's felt like it's been us against the world. Like, what have you learned about just like love and relationships, especially getting married? I think I got married. I think I was like 24 and I feel like even that was young, but like, what have you learned about love um, from like in these 18 years? I think like what we have learned is that we just, we show up for each other and we're partners. We don't have prescribed roles in our relationship. And it's like, if if you need more support right now, I'm going to give more support. And I think it was Jackie Ashenden, who's also a romance writer, who said this to me forever ago. It's not 50-50, it's 100-100. Mm-hmm. Because you always have to be there showing up with all that you have. And sometimes your partner needs more than you do. And that means showing up to give more support when they need it. And I think you know, that kind of moving together and like being able to listen to each other and offer more support when your husband needs more support or he has to give you more support when you need it. And it's a mutual thing. You can't be in a partnership by yourself. And so I'm really lucky because my husband listens to me and he listens to what he can be doing to kind of be there for me and give me what I need. And, you know, we've been through different stages of life where I've been the stay at home parent. He's been the stay at home parent. Like we've, we've gone back and forth with different things and we've supported each other as we tried new things. And I just think it is that willingness to make it be kind of an evolving partnership. That's always kind of rising up to what's going on in your life. I love that. Thank you for sharing. (laughs) 
Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. 18 years is beautiful. That's, that's a lot of life. That's a lot of life. Yeah, it is. I, I feel really lucky. I'm always like glad that we, um, that we did get married, um, young because I'm like, we have gotten to just like do all this life together and I'm really thankful for it. Congratulations on one little spark. Ellie Banks is debut. Can you tell us all about it? Yeah. So this was um, in September 2020. Um, we were having it was just a horrible wildfire year in in Oregon. And one of the things I talk about in One Little Spark is wildfire season, which has become a really big issue. Um, and so even if we're not on fire, our neighbors to the south, California, are often on fire, and that means that their smoke often comes to pay us a visit and hangs in the air for months at a time. Um, it's, you know, a really dry summer is just a scary thing at this point. And um, 2020 was very dry. Um, we headed into September and it was still just, it was well over a hundred degrees every day that week. There was, um, and there were red flag warnings for the wind. So we had high winds, really hot. And then we started having heat lightning. Mm-hmm. And on top so, of like a pandemic. <laughs> yes. And what, and, and so it was just, there were what, there were wildfires. There were some right over the border in California. I'm really close to the California border. Um, and there were some in Josephine County, which is near me. And then um, on top of that, someone set a fire um, at the entrance to uh, the main freeway um, on I-5 in Ashland. And it burned eight miles down the freeway and it burned down the towns of Phoenix and Talent, Oregon. And this is in my county. We were, the whole county was under an evacuation notice um, because the wind just carried that fire eight miles in not very long. And um, so that was a really scary, and that was one of those times when, you know, we were, we were all, you know, the kids weren't in school, everybody was distancing, but we ended up having to come together and make a lot of community shelters and shared space. The school district had to go back to in-person schooling because 80% of the kids were homeless. Um, so it was just, it was a massive emergency. It was an all hands on deck emergency and it's really affecting to live through something like that. And, um, I believe it was, uh, Deanne Gis, I think I said her name right, who won Arita one year at RWA. And she said, I don't actually know how to feel this moment, but I know how I would write my heroine experiencing it. And that was the most real thing that I've ever mm-hmm. heard anyone else say. Cause sometimes when something is really intense, the first thing I think is, I don't really know how I feel about this, but I know how I would write it. And so this was one of those experiences that I was like, this is something that I want to write about. And and in the months, you know, when you're driving through kind of the burned out uh, community and all of these things, and it's just like, it gets you thinking about the story that could fit into all of that, because that is kind of how I process. And, and, you know, something like that is traumatic. And I was only adjacent to it. So I kind of hate to speak for there were plenty of people that obviously lost their homes and, and all of that. And I, I was fine. But, you know, it kind of got me thinking about um, writing something along those lines, writing something with that as a backdrop. And so in my previous um, trade paperback releases, which are women's fiction, they've all been about, you know, kinds of the relationships between sisters or between friends and sort of already were about the uncovering of family secrets. If you've read The Lost and Found Girl, that book was a lot more, it had a lot more of a mystery to it than Mm -hmm. some of what I had done before. And this just felt like, because the idea that I had did center on a fire, 
it, it, I didn't make the conscious decision to change genres. <laughs> that wasn't the intent when I wrote the book. It's very much set up in a similar way to my other stories where a lot of the mystery even unfolds through the relationships between the women and through the secrets in their different relationships. But what we ended up with was something that was much different than what I had done before because it is so much more based in the plot and um, the mystery because One Little Spark itself takes place in kind of three different timelines. You have the kindling timeline, which takes place a year before the fire and sort of shows basically the fuel that was laid (laughs) for the start of the fire. And then you have the aftermath of the fire, which in the book is signified with a tag called Afterburn. And that's sort of, that's where the majority of the book takes place. That's kind of the present. The present time is this year after the fire, where these four women are kind of grappling with the aftermath of this fire that's burned down most of their town. You know, some of them lost their houses. Um, Jenna, one of the main characters, her ex-husband is among the missing presumed dead. And he was her recent ex-husband who had left her for a younger woman that he had gotten pregnant. And Morgan is one of the main characters as well. And she is the other woman. And she's Mm -hmm. now a single mother. She kind of blew her whole life up for this man, um, turned herself into a pariah of the town. She kind of did it all for love, you know, (laughs) did this big, you know, kind of morally shady thing for love. And then now he's gone. And she's left with the consequences of that and with kind of the fallout of it. And then um, you have Chelsea, who um, that was her brother, is um, Jenna's ex-husband. So she's the ex-sister-in-law. They're still friends. Her brother, who she really looked up to, is missing. And it's after he kind of made this horrible mistake that made people see him differently, made her see him differently. And so everybody's grief is very complicated. Um, And then there's Alex, who is another friend in that kind of friend group. And she, um, her husband is also missing, presumed dead. And it's sort of her sort of re-examining her life and her marriage and what she thought about it, because her feeling was definitely more that she had kind of the perfect relationship. And um, Alex doesn't remember the day of the fire and the only memory that she has, which she keeps having a recurring dream of herself standing in a field on burned earth, basically holding a matchbook. So it's like, nobody knows who started the fire and that's sort of the, the journey of the book. And there's, um, the third timeline, which you see more toward the end is the ignition point, which sort of uh, unpacks what actually happened that day. Um, and through all of that, these women are kind of healing their lives basically and you know there is some romance because it's me so uh, there's there's a little romance it's a little a little spicy still because I like what I like and um and and at the end of the day like I love mystery I love thrillers but I like I always like when there's a hopeful ending and actually that's one reason I really like um Jane Harper and I really like Leanne Moriarty as writers and they're kind of who have sort of inspired me like in this direction that I've gone with my writing um, because while some really dark stuff happens, I do always feel like there's a little strand of hope. And that's really what I still want is that even though there are some dark things in the book, like I want you to be left with a hopeful feeling. I don't want Mm. you to be left feeling bummed out about the grimness of humanity because that's just not me. (laughs) I love that. It sounds like the fire itself too. I mean, very like, I guess, man versus nature, almost like it sounds like such a huge character in the book, mm-hmm. which yeah, I think just I sounds think, fantastic. Yeah. And I think both good, it's it's both obviously destructive and bad, mm-hmm. but also it sort of speaks to the fact that you can sit on this simmering resentment 
and in these sorts of issues for years and years, but unless something catastrophic happens, you don't really examine your life. And I think that is sort of where they're left with, like through through no fault of their own, everything's kind of burned to the ground. So do you rebuild the same way or do you rebuild in a different way? And I think that kind of speaks to the emotional content of the book is... Yeah, what what does that look like if you at this, you know, stage in your life when you do have a really established life, if you were to rebuild, would it look the same or would it look completely different if you got to start over? What would you do differently? So 2020, you know, there's the 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 fire happens there and you almost I, I can just totally imagine like out of body, like just I'm reacting, I'm helping out, the community's coming together. And then your writer brain is like, okay, how would my heroine respond to this? Mm-hmm. How did we get uh, like which heroine which character was it or do you even remember all of that did you just like sit down and start writing one character and then before we know it we have three other heroines that we're following as well like how did that how did all the pieces of the puzzle come together I like the idea that the four of them all had kind of so that's that's another aspect it's, a, it's such a complicated story I'm like I'm used to summarizing something with slightly like a more clear through line mm-hmm. but it's like they all had kind of near misses with the fire um, and that was something that I was thinking of too is like you know the kind of chance of it all and so it sort of started with this idea of like four near misses where like Morgan, who's the the other woman, went into labor that morning. That's why she wasn't at the house. Um, Jenna really did almost die in the fire because she was getting gas, and um, this and the gas station kind of exploded when the fire came down the freeway. But she had gotten out of her car to give money to someone on the side of the road, and so she wasn't standing there by her car. And um, Chelsea had had to go check on a leak at the flower shop and Alex doesn't know where she was, but it was, so some of it started. So I had like this idea for like four different women in four different places when the fire started and them kind of grappling with that. But I think the character that came through for me first was Jenna um, because she is the, she's the real doer, like the go-getter kind of woman. And like, I kind of relate to her because she is um, like not thankfully anything that's happened in my life, (laughs) but she Mm -hmm. was kind of the one that came through to me the most strong as like kind of my personality type where sometimes I'm like, I'm definitely results oriented. And sometimes the method is maybe a little bit, um, you know, like, well, I'm like pushy. I don't know. I'm like, I'm going to get it done. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And I, and, and, and with Jenna, I was like, I'm fascinated by this idea of this woman who in action is very kind actually, but she, she is not a soft spoken, like nice woman. She, mm-hmm. she's kind, she gets things done. She's doing the thing, but this idea that you can be as helpful as you want to be, but if you're not a kind or if you're, but if you're not like a sweet, soft spoken woman, people are like, I don't know, she's a little difficult. And so maybe as a, you know, a strong, deep voiced woman, I was channeling a little bit of my own experiences, but um, it's, uh, you know, so I, I really related with her. And I think that was kind of as, as if one character feels more like the main character to me, it's probably her. And it's for those reasons. I don't think she gets more page time than anyone else. I just think I relate to her a little bit. Do you feel like, I guess, like the romance writer, your romance writer era right now, like, how would you describe it? Like, are you, are you feel, because one thing that I really admire about you is that you really seem to 
constantly want to challenge yourself and reinvent yourself. So like when you posted about this book, I was like, oh yeah, I've kind of seen her slowly veering into this this new lane of like domestic suspense but then you announced Ellie Banks and I was like oh we're really we're really going into it so like as a writer like what does it feel like for you right now like what are you wanting to do like are you wanting to explore all the things are you are you down for like challenging yourself like what does it feel like for you? Yeah, I'm like, I always want to do all the things. That's like, if I, I feel like this is a bad job interview. If I have a flaw, it's that I care too much. No, it's that I want to do like, I do. I really, I like doing all the things. Like I'm Mm -hmm. so interested in, I'm interested in people. That's where I approach all of my writing from is the Which is awesome because your books are very character like so you you get so invested in the character I'm such an emotional reader too which I think is why your books Mm -hmm. are perfect for me but it's like I love hearing you say that because I'm like that makes so much sense like your books are so character driven so it's like a new way to explore people Mm -hmm. and 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 I always approach it from that standpoint and so moving into kind of getting able to do domestic suspense allows me to explore a different aspect of people but that's where like even, you know, when I was doing more of like the women's fiction stuff, like people, people will say sometimes like, oh, do you have any books that are more than romance? And it's mm-hmm. like, I, I don't love when they say it like that. Cause it's like, I know what you mean. You mean, does it have a romance and something else? Right. Mm-hmm. But it can come across sounding a little bit like romance isn't enough on its own. The way that I always try to frame it is it's like, my focus is just different. When I'm writing a romance, the focus is all on the romance. It's all on the way that the falling in love is the catalyst for unpacking all of the issues in their life because it's a romance novel. That's what the purpose of the romance is in the book. It's to kind of drive the whole thing and to drive the emotional discovery that they're experiencing and to drive the healing. And in a women's fiction, it's going to be, you know, a broader look like it's going to be more of the relationships, like more of the family, more of the sisters and, and the romance and the job, like all these things are kind of unpacking the issues to more of an equal degree rather than putting the weight so much on the romantic relationship. And in a suspense, you know, I get a chance to kind of start unpacking these people's issues by throwing them into something like a much more present kind of dramatic event. Whereas in a romance that might be in their past, And so to me, it's all about like putting people under pressure using different methods and kind of getting down to the heart of their issues. It just allows me to kind of do that from a different angle because, yeah, I am always kind of wanting to do to find a different way to do it, to find a new way to do it and and to see because, you know, I've written like 160 books or something like that somewhere somewhere (laughs) in the neighborhood of that. So I don't know. I have a spreadsheet somewhere. I wait for Harlequin to send out the milestones and then I vaguely know how many (laughs) books I've written for other publishers too. You know, so like I always want to like keep it fresh and I think doing different things helps with that too. Like, um, cause people ask me all the time, like, what do you like to write the most? And I'm like, well, whatever I'm not writing right now is what I would rather be writing. But also like, I, I can love the cowboy books as much as I do because I also get to write presents. I can love the presents as much as I do because I also get to write suspense or women's fiction or historical or whatever. Like it's because I get to do all the different things. I get to love all the things that I do. Whereas at different times in my career, when I've been doing one thing for too long and just the one thing, that's when things start to feel a little stale. So I really like to, yeah, I feel like mixing it up is kind of the key 
to to <laughs> keeping going. Yeah, keeping it fresh. Was mm-hmm. this um did it feel like having to learn a new skill set? I mean, you were all the I also love that like you, when you love a book, you can tell Maisie Yates has been reading a book that she loves. So like hearing you talk about some of the authors that you've been reading like mm-hmm. was having already kind of been a fan of the genre, did that help with the writing of it or did you feel like you had to learn any different like writing strategies for writing in this new genre? I feel like I always feel intimidated before I try something new. And then once I find the characters, there's less of that. But for sure, I think you should always be reading in the genre that you want to write in. Because I think it like literally nothing makes me roll my eyes harder than when like you talk to somebody and they're like, I'm going to be a writer, but I don't like fiction. I don't <laughs> read fiction, but I'm going to write a fic. And I've literally had people say this to me. Like, I want to be a writer, but none of the fiction out there is any good. So I don't read it. Well, okay, great. But like, how do you know what people like then? How do you know how a book is structured? How can you even articulate what you don't like? It's actually great to read books that you don't like and figure out why did that book work for someone else? What are they doing? How would I take that and make it work? So I always think that people should be reading and absolutely like reading those books um, was a huge inspiration to me and sort of showed me, oh, this is like what resonates with me in this genre. And I can see a path to taking what I do and bringing it here. Did you, was there ever a point that was, especially having four characters, which I think just makes the story, the pacing just so much fun because you're following four different people. Was there ever... I guess a point where you were like, huh, I'm a little stuck at this part because we are following four people. And then you have like the main character, which is the fire. Mm -hmm. Oh, I think that actually for I'm like four people is easier. Okay. Well, okay. In initially it's harder. I would say that in every single book that I have done with four, four leads, one of the hardest things is figuring out how to give all four of them a distinct voice because you don't want to fall back on, you know, making them caricatures for the purpose of giving them a distinct voice and a distinct point of view. I think especially with sisters, that's really hard because you're dealing with people who grew up in the same household. They are going to speak similarly and have, you know, a lot of similarities to them, but you want them to feel distinct to the reader. So I think that part is hard, but from the perspective of when you get stuck, four characters is great. It's a gift. You can switch points of view. Um, Having said that, (laughs) my next domestic suspense (laughs) has one point of view and it did feel like a vacation in some ways. I was like, oh, she's the only person whose head I have to be in. That's kind of a gift. Um, But, but there are, there are, so I guess as with everything, there are some easier things and some harder things about it. You're like, I don't know what Jenna thinks about this over to Morgan. So when, you know, we hear a lot about like getting to know your characters. Right. And like, Mm -hmm. I can see that for your, for romance. I can see that in your women's fiction. How different is it when you're writing suspense? Because when you're, you're not getting like the sweet, cutesy, necessary moments that you would get in a romance or a women's fic. Like Mm -hmm. so much of the focus is on the suspenseful element, the mystery element. So like how different is that writing in this genre versus like the other ones? I I think for me, I just, again, I look at it as a, I always think of it as like the camera panned over to this different part of them. Mm -hmm. Like it isn't because the other, the other aspects of them are, has still have to be there. Like I, as a writer still need to understand them on that level. I just Mm -hmm. may not be focusing on that. 
Okay. But this is sort of um, a different angle to look at them in. And so to me, it all, you just, you, you do still have to really know your characters. Cause I think if you don't, that's where you run into situations where the plot is moving them around rather than them actually affecting the plot um, and stuff begins to feel quite random. So I think no matter what genre you're writing in, you know, you, you have to have a handle on who your characters are. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm so excited. <laughs> you have some other things coming out though. So like you posted recently that you were working on the next Four Corners Ranch book. Is there anything you can tell us about it or is it still too early? Oh no, I've got like, I'm, <laughs> I'm like almost done with that series. It's so great. I, um, I'm like ahead. I'm so far ahead on my deadlines that like it's, um, but from the an editing mood standpoint, board, all of the, the hot yeah, pictures, well, from an editing <laughs> standpoint, it's like a gift because I look like a much more clever writer than I actually <laughs> am because I actually get to, um, you know, kind of go back and make sure that I can tweak characteristics, um, of all these characters whose stories I've now written. So I've been so much more deeply in their heads, like for consistency. So, um, the next four corners ranch book that's out is the rough rider. And that is out in July. And that is uh, Gus McLeod and Elena Sullivan. So if people who have read the series, I know everybody's waiting for Gus. I didn't make you wait that long. Um, <laughs> he, he's like my favorite ever. I love him so much. Um, but what I'm editing right now are the Four Corners books for 2024. And those are the rest of the Sullivan sisters books. And so it's really great because I'm kind of putting them side by side. I just like printed out the beginning of The Rival, which is out April 2024, and The Legend, which is out July 2024. And I'm kind of like, oh, okay, let's make sure that like Rory seemed cons consistent, like in her book and in her sister's book. Because um, so, so it's great because I think one of the big challenges of writing a long running romance series is you get peaks of the next couples. Yeah. Um, but it, then also, if you're like me, um, and you get kind of panicked and bored, um, <laughs> right before you're supposed to write the other characters books, and then you want to change something, and it's already set in stone, it can be really frustrating. So okay. yeah. you're like, Oh, I want to change that. But I didn't, you know, I set this other thing up. And um, I actually did that in um, the gold, it was gold Valley in the hope Springs books. I was ahead again on deadlines. And so I had started right. I was going to write Iris's book that was um, called the heartbreaker of echo pass. And I had written the two other books that came before it. And I had set up a hero for her and I got to her book and I was like, Oh, I'm not interested in that. I'm not, I don't <laughs> like that guy. He doesn't work. So I edited him out of the other two books. You'll never see him. No one will ever know who he is. Oh my I God. Okay. His existence. <laughs> And I gave her a different hero. So I do that a lot. I'm like, oh, I actually don't like that thing that I set up. <laughs> so from the standpoint of like getting to indulge myself and make sure everything still lines up, this is awesome because I have all this like freedom to like go across all the books and change details. So, um, so it's great. I've got the Sullivans. Um, we've got the McLeods are this year, they're in 2023, then it moves to the Sullivans in 2024. And then I've got the Kings are almost done and they're going to be 2025. So oh my God, yeah, I love it. Do you feel like, like one of the things I'm trying to like really kind of capture this spring and into the summer is like what romance feels like at the moment. And I feel like small town romance is having a moment. Do you feel like that? 
I, I mean, it's always having a moment in my life. In your life, <laughs> so it's I always having a moment. Yeah, I'm like, that's been my moment for like the last <laughs> 10 years. So I can't speak to um, whether or not that's different elsewhere, but because that's kind of always where I live. I think what has been fun about the genre is that it opened up a little bit and there's small town and there's some set in cities and there's some set like we're getting a little more international set romances. I mean, Presents has always had that, but outside of category romance. So, um, and I am game for, for all the moments. As a writer who writes these fantastic, like small town series, would you say the key for you? Cause I, I think a, as a fan, it's you meet this family and then you want to stay in the, in the town and the town can be like a big player or a small player. It just depends. Mm-hmm. But like kind of the key of keeping us in the town is introducing this new family or like, you know, somebody's a friend of this family over here. And then it's like, okay, is this an Easter egg? Maisie's going to focus on this family next. Like what, what for you is fun, the, like the fun part of like staying in a small town and keeping the community kind of going? Well, I think, and this kind of does go back to my real life romance. So, I mean, we're from a small town. So I think one thing I love about it is that because everybody kind of knows each other in a small town, or they at mm-hmm. least have opinions about each other, they they make assumptions on maybe who would be together. And I think I like the idea that like people getting together has like an implication that ripples throughout the community. Like, whoa, I didn't think they would get together. Like, I yeah. love the kind of, because that's one reason I love, I love historical romance because society is an antagonist in historical romance. It's like, well, we have to get married because, you know, you were spotted in a carriage with so-and-so. And so now your reputation, you know, your, your reputation <laughs> is at stake or, you know, society has made it so that you can't work. So you have to get married. Like I have to marry a woman with a dowry because I'm titled and like that means so like you you have all these things and yet you're kind of hamstrung by it as well and so there's all these opportunities for things to feel very high stakes because society is kind of creating this layer of expectations which a lot of times in contemporary romance we don't have um and so one thing i love about the small town is it's almost the recreation of the ton right like you have um expectations because of who you are because of who your dad is because of Um, what people think about you. And as somebody who grew up in a small town, who married someone who was very, very well liked, not that I'm not well liked, not to the degree (laughs) that my husband is, though, who is so friendly, and everybody knows him. And also, he is eight years older than me. So it was very much a like, whoa, like you guys are getting married? (laughs) Like, whoa, right? That's weird. Like we thought maybe he would end up with this person or this person or this person, but like not me. And so I think I kind of delight in playing with that in my small town romances. And I think it is that kind of, it's like the accountability that you have to the people around you for good or for ill um, and the expectations that they might have. And um, I really enjoy that aspect of it um, because you have this deep well of people who have, they either know each other or they know about each other. Mm -hmm. And I just really like that. Well, we also have a new Jasper Creek anthology. Yes. Uh, can you talk about writing? I love that you write this with your friends. <laughs> First and foremost, I think that's I one know. of my favorite it's just, things. It's just so fun. And they're just the best. And I know you've had um, Hazel Beck on mm-hmm. before, who are Nicole and Megan slash Caitlin, who we do the anthologies with. And we were just talking about the fact that... Um, 
Jasper Creek was um, sort of their trial run for writing together. <laughs> we don't yeah. write together in quite the same way they do as Hazel, but we were like, we knew we were compatible. But if you're wondering if Jackie and I are ever going to do that, the answer is no. We literally say to each other every other day, I love you, but not enough to write a book with you. <laughs> that we will never, we, Jackie and I will never love anyone that much. Um, <laughs> we, we, we're lone wolves. Um, but I think, yeah, we just have so much fun together. Like they are just, um, they're so fun. And what I love every single time is people are like, oh, did you write these stories and communicate a lot? And it's like, not really. We tend to get the set pieces in place and just go. And I've, I've never had such a fun group project experience. I hate group projects. Like I said, I relate to Jenna. I am, I am results oriented. Mm -hmm. If, and if, and if you stand in the way of my results, I might step on you. I'll apologize. But you know, I'm like, I, I don't love a group project. I, I like to do things my way. There's a reason I'm a writer that does tend to be solitary. So it's, it's usually not a problem. Um, but I have done a lot of like, um, uh, publisher led continuities and things like that. I always find them kind of difficult. Um, cause I really want to just go off and do my own thing. Somebody else is like, making the rules. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't like that at all. But in, with the Jasper Creek anthologies, it's like we, we, it's this amazing marriage of getting to do your own thing, but also we just know each other's work so well that yeah. we sort of like, once we, you know, if Nicole's like, this is my heroine, this is how she is. This is how my hero is. I can take that and run with it and include them in my book. And I know what she would do and she knows what I would do. And, and we all kind of have that. Um, so it's really this fan. I'm going to say ugh, I, I mean, it's synergy. I hate that word, but that's what it is. It's like, it's, um, it's just been such an awesome experience. So in the comeback cowboy, which is the newest one, we decided to do enemies rather than friends or sisters. So the heroines were all enemies when they were at this camp. Um, and three of the heroines were juvenile delinquents <laughs> And they were at the camp to to be reformed. And my heroine um, was not a delinquent. Her dad ran the camp. And she was the ultimate goody-goody. And she was annoying to the other girls. Because she was the tattletale. She was going to make sure everyone was doing what they were supposed to be doing. So they all have to get together to like help restore this camp. The heroes are former delinquents of the camp as well. Who have kind of made good. And they're all back to kind of um, bring this camp back to life. It's in honor of my heroine's father. And um, it was just so much fun to write. And we took a lot of inspiration from uh, mostly Caitlin Cruz's experience at camp because she did a lot of summer camp stuff, but a little bit mine as well. So we, we, we took our summer camp experiences and just put a lot of shenanigans in there and like had way too much fun with it. Um, each of the heroines has to do a prank and steal something from one of the heroes. So that's where each uh, novella got its name. We've got uh, the one with the, uh, the one with the hat, the one with the necklace, the one with the uh, bullhorn and the one with the trophy, because that's what they each steal from the hero. I, we need to keep these anthologies coming. I mean, no pressure on you all. But just <laughs> I know they're so fun. They're so fun. And we have the best time writing them. And like, I couldn't ask for better co-writers. And we all just look at stories the same. They're, they're exactly the same. Like we just, it's, it's all about character. So for us, like everything just kind of flows because we have the same aesthetic when it comes to stories. So it's been such a neat experiment really to write novellas that are as tightly linked as they are 
in one volume. And I don't think I would ever want to attempt it with anyone else. You, you kind of have to be inside each other's heads. And we really are because we're not just writing friends, we're actual friends. And that's always yeah. a funny thing when you're like, oh, you know, for a while, you're like, oh, my writer friends. And then it's like, I've slept on an air mattress in your house. So I'm pretty sure we're just friends. <laughs> we're now. friends. I've yeah. been to Disney World with you and your husband and kids. So I think we're friends now. <laughs> yeah. So I have to ask, like, talking category for a minute Mm -hmm. with us unfortunately losing desire are you you know which I'm I'm really sad about it I was chatting to Sarah about it when we first heard about it and we were like Mm -hmm. do you know how long desire has been around like it's it's a historic line you know so are you I mean are you going to focus solely on presents when you're writing category you Um, know what are, what are your yeah, what are your plans? So, <laughs> I am uh, I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna be real honest. This is like category romance podcast honesty edition. Um, I am really fortunate in that mm-hmm. I get contracts that are blind a lot of the time, meaning we have not said, oh, this is gonna be this series, right? They just okay. go, do you want to write six more books for Desire? And I say, yeah. So, um, you know, you want eight more books for Presents? Okay. So I had just signed a six book blind contract with Desire. And, um, you know, and I, I kind of wish I would have known what was coming down the pike. But, you know, we don't always. This is, this is the nature of the industry. This is the nature of anytime you're involved with a corporation. It's a corporation, too. Yeah. So it's like there's lots of moving parts. And the people who are involved with the day-to-day and the people who are actually the most affected by it don't know you know, a lot of the time until stuff. So I had a decision to make about what I was going to do with those books. And in the end, after a lot of back and forth and a lot of conversation, um, because I have an appetite to try new things, right? So of course, I considered all kinds of things. I considered doing the new line, lots and lots of stuff. But what it came down to was um, just um, with the changes and the word count of everything, that what I was going to do was um, uh, transition into special edition. So oh I'm going to be taking, gosh. yeah. <laughs> so I'm taking um, the desires over to special edition um, where you'll be getting my, but see special edition is now 70,000 words. Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be a little bit different. I'm probably only going to do one a year. I can't, I can't imagine trying to squeeze cause we were at 50, 45,000 even for desire. And so I was doing two a year. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, it'll be, but I'm not committed to, I'm going to finish out the Carsons of Lone Rock. The last Carsons of Lone Rock book, I believe, is going to be released just by itself. It will not be in a category line. It will still be out on the, I think two of them are going to be like that. They're they're going to be out with the category, but they're not going to be category branded because Desire won't be on shelves anymore. So we're finishing out, you'll still be able to get mine. Um so we're finishing out that series and then I'll be popping up in special edition with something new, but I don't know what it is yet because I don't have to know yet because <laughs> oh I, I won't be writing it for almost a year. So, Oh my gosh. I had, I, I had a secret hope that you were going to say special edition or maybe even heartwarming since heartwarming does a lot of, a lot of cowboys. So. I think that they would kick me out of heartwarming <laughs> real fast. I think I think I'm not heartwarming enough. I think <laughs> I think there's too much pants warming. I don't know. So, <laughs> I'm so I, excited. I'm going to say, I, I'm probably going to get thrown out of special edition. We'll see. Um, 
you're gonna you're you're gonna be great. I am so excited. Okay, so we have that. Are we still mm-hmm. going to get presents for you from you? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I signed a new presents contract where I'm always that's my that's my home base. That's my heart of hearts. That is okay. my original romance reading. That's my origin story. So I will just, I will never get tired of those. I literally, I'm always delighted. What keeps presents fresh for you? Like what keeps it fresh for you? It's a fairy tale. Mm -hmm. It's a fairy tale. And to me, there's just a joyousness to it because it can be as over the top as I want it to be. And I just love, I love the presents hero. Like no breaks on that guy. Like, I absolutely love that. I like to go as far over the top as I can. And it just brings me joy because to me, that's like, I want all the big emotion. I want the big, like glitzy fairy tale. I want the the darkest conflict to go with like the glitteriest ballroom. And it just is like, I am at my, my daughter who is 13 and uh, she likes to say things to me and she begins with respectfully which is how you know she's going to say the most disrespectful thing you've ever heard in your life. Brace yourself, right? So I brought her in. She need, she wanted me to blow dry her nails with my hair dryer because she doesn't like to wait for them to dry. So she came into the bathroom and she saw my, I got these uh, earrings that are like Beauty and the Beast earrings and they're from some little Instagram boutique thing. And like one is Mrs. Potts and one is Chip. And then the other set is like Lumiere and Cogsworth. And she said, mom, respectfully, you are a Disney adult though. And I was like, I never said I wasn't. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, okay, Zoomer. But uh, yeah, so I, I'm like, I, but I think that's kind of my origin story. I'm like, I am a Disney adult. I'm a child of the 90s. <laughs> that was the golden era, the golden era of Disney animation. That was, you know, we had Little Mermaid and Aladdin and, you know, Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast is is 100% my origin story. And so I think that's where presents will always feel fresh and comfortable to me because it is like, it's only the good parts. It's short, it's intense. And it, and it has that real kind of adult fairy tale quality to it that my Disney adult heart will always, that will always be my first love. Yeah. Respectfully. (laughs) Respectfully. All right. So to round us out here, I'm going to just like throw some random questions Mm -hmm. at you. Um, Tell us like a highlight of 2023 for you so far. Anything random. It could be a, we went on a really beautiful walk or whatever. We went on a Disney cruise. It was the, it was amazing. I Mm. am, uh, I had never, well, I took my 15 year old son on a cruise in December and that was the first cruise I had ever been on, but he's, he's autistic and Disney is one of his like hyper fixations. So he knows everything about all the Disney properties and all the vacations. And he's wanted to do a Disney cruise forever. And I was always like, I don't know, man. Cause like he, he was a little iffy, like safety wise when he was younger. So I was always like, oh, I'm a little nervous about that. I get claustrophobic. I was like, I don't know if I'm cruise material. Well, he and I went and we had the best time. So we, that was on their smaller ship. And it was just, we went, uh, we did like San Diego to Cabo San Lucas. It was three days. We didn't even get off the boat, had a great time. So immediately when I got home, (laughs) I booked a seven day for spring break, um, sailing out of Florida so that we could go to their, uh, the castaway key. And that was our big, um, spring break vacation this year. And we just had the best time. And like my kids are teenagers. So they ran around, they pleased themselves. We made them come eat family dinner with us, <laughs> made them yeah. get dressed up for formal night. Um, we just had so much fun. And it was, um, it was just a great, 
like awesome time with the kids and they're getting older. And like, it was, it was just so special. And it was one of those times when I was like, man, like we maybe did a little something right. Cause they're 13, 15 and 17 and they still want to hang out with us. And, and so it was just, yeah, that was just amazing. That was sweet. Okay. As a mom with a, my daughter is 14. My mm-hmm. middle son is 12. He'll be 13 in June. And then my youngest is seven. Like, and this is rough. Okay. So as a mom, like with those, like they're, they're becoming teenagers. What advice mm-hmm. do you have to like that precipice of like, you're really about to be fully in teenage momhood? <laughs> what yes. advice do you have? I, I was actually, I was watching my, my brother has small children. They're four and two. So I'm an aunt to two little, two littles. And, um, I, I was thinking, I wish that I would have known then how little intent my kids had when they did something that was kind of naughty, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're they're just entirely driven by their emotions. They've never done this before. They're just freewheeling. And at some point I had the realization the same is true for teenagers. Yeah. Okay. They have as little intent as toddlers do. And so rather than letting it hurt my feelings when they kind of go off at me or whatever, I, I just, I go, okay, that's, I'm going to let that go. And, and, you know, they've always come back and apologized and stuff. Mm-hmm. They're really, they are good kids, but it's like, I, I just don't take it that seriously. I kind of, I kind of snicker a little bit behind their back when they're having a big drama and, and, you know, I just don't take it too much to heart and, and, and let them have the big feelings. Cause it is kind of the same as having toddlers again in some ways, except they can, you know, do their own laundry. Yeah. I love that you said that. Cause I, I feel like I've been having more moments now than not of like, oh my God, you just don't care about how I feel as your mother. And then when you just say that, I'm like, they probably don't really, they don't, they're not even intending to be a jerk. (laughs) It was, um, again, uh, Jackie, Jackie Ashton and her kids are older than mine. Well, she's got one that's the same age as my oldest and one that's in her twenties. And I remember I've known her since her kids were little too. But she said to me one time, she said, your kids look at you like God. They don't think about your feelings or whether or not you might be there or not. They just trust that you are. You're, oh, a, you're yeah. a ubiquitous presence in their life. But if they're secure in it, that's that's actually where they can kind of go, you know, off the rails at you. And that is the thing. It's like they don't think about your feelings because they think you're invulnerable. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't think it's a bad thing. I like to tell them, you know. I, I give them a hard time sometimes because my daughter likes to say our dogs don't have object permanence. <laughs> and, and I, one time I said to her, cause she'll text me from school and ask me to bring her things all day. And one time I said, I, I wonder if you have object permanence sometimes. Cause what do you think I do when I'm not with you? Do, do you think that I disappear? She goes, well, if I didn't have object permanence, then I wouldn't think to text you when you weren't around. And I didn't have anything to say to that, but <laughs> It, <laughs> they're so smart. They're so smart. Yeah, she that one especially a little too smart for her own good. Um, but yeah, so it's like they, you know, so it's like you're right. They they don't really think about your feelings, but there's <laughs> a that the but part of that is that they're just so wholly secure that you are there to take care of them and that you are you know you're trustworthy and mm-hmm. and and your presence is just kind of always felt to them. So it's kind of um, but yeah, it's a. Uh, Teenagers. I like teenagers. I think they're fun. I've actually, it's just been, I, I really enjoy them. <laughs> so when you have, and this may be knitting because you show, share mm-hmm. a lot of what you've been working on, but like you need a mom moment. You're ready to just chill for the day. You've written. What do you do when you need to just like zone out and be cozy? 
I, a lot of the time it's knitting. Um, but sometimes I will say, cause I like to bake too, but I don't like to clean up after baking. So okay. it's like, I love, but I love it. But it's like, sometimes I cannot bear to make one more thing because I've been making stuff all week. That's what writing is. So I'm like, everything I do, even my hobbies are somewhat creative. And that's where it's like, sometimes TV without knitting. A lot of times I knit while I'm watching TV. And sometimes I'm like, I just can't make one more thing. I can't keep creating like this. I can't do it. Yeah, yeah I can't do it. My brain is done. Um, and uh, so love, I, I, I love TV. I really do. But I also love reading. So reading. Um, I'm fortunate enough that I get, uh, I often get to read uh, Megan and Jackie and Nicole's books early. I've read the third Witch Lore book. I've read the third Hazelbeck book. I got it I sent to my inbox. I just got the second one. I'm so excited. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's so good. Big Little Spells. Um, and your girl here on the phone with you may have had something to do with the title of that book. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, but... And I, but I love it so much. I love it so much. Oh my gosh, Nicholas, Nicholas Frost, man. But I am such a huge fangirl of that series. And I got a very early peek of book number three. I got to be their beta reader. And I read it on a plane. I read it on the plane on the way to the Disney cruise. And I was just sobbing on the plane. Oh my gosh. So, um, so yeah, I love books. That's a big escapist thing to me. And I'm just so lucky because a lot of times I get I get early access to the books I'm most excited about. You posted a photo of you recently reading the new Brenda Novak, and I am patiently waiting for my library to copy to come in. Share some of your like, whether it's this year or just like summers past, like some of those like summer reads that you're like, guys, if you're looking for something, pick this up. I feel like my my beach reads are not always like I'm like I'm waiting for Julianne Long's new book and in fact okay. I tried to weasel myself an early copy of one <laughs> and the publicist never got back to me okay. so I'm just saying that's what I'm holding out for I'm like it's not I'm not necessarily like like you know books that are literally called beach read I'm like that's not necessarily what I'm after I'm I'm after my Regency fix I want mm. my Julianne Long fix I'm such a huge fan of hers Okay. She is just, she, her writing makes me cry and then quit writing for like <laughs> days afterwards. She is, she's brilliant. So that is my, and don't ask me the title. I don't know. I know there's a hot shirtless man on it and he's holding <laughs> this woman's leg up in the air. I don't care what the title is. It has Julianne Long's name on it. So I don't need to remember the title. <clears throat> All I know is I'm buying that book the minute it comes out and I know it comes out in July. I believe she and I might share a release date. I'm going to be all over that, that. And then, um, so, but, but Regency romance is definitely my comfort read. Okay. That's my, that's my big one. Otherwise I always feel like I'm behind. If there's like a really popular book, it takes me like two years to read it. And I don't, I think it's cause I'm a contrarian. So okay. I'm like, I will read it. Um, so I'm like, I just read the love hypothesis. Anyone heard of that? That was great. <laughs> um, right. I'm like, I just read that. It was fantastic. Just read Emily Henry, you know, but I literally, I saying though, like I kind of want everybody else to read it and stop talking about it yeah. and then I'll get to it. So I'm, I'm kind of there with you. <laughs> I haven't no, read the I love hypothesis yet. <laughs> I, well, I love it. I have to say. And so I, and I, it was very, it was very, very good. Not that, not that she needs me to promote her work, but like it was very good. It was a solid book. It was very good. I enjoyed it. But 
I feel like that's me in general. I did like a, I did a TikTok about that where I was like, oh, I'm finally able to like enjoy mainstream things. And like my 14 year old self is staring at me with like one of those piercings filters on. <laughs> so I was like, I was a hot topic kid. Right. So the <laughs> stepping into that, like actually being the basic Disney adult that I am is so painful <laughs> to past me who thought she was such a little alternative. Like I was like, I'm watching Lord of the Rings and shopping at Hot Topic and I don't like Old Navy. It was like, oh, good for you, kid. <laughs> We've got to so, get part you. Of me, part of me still there. <laughs> We've got to get you like a basic Disney adult <laughs> t-shirt. Yeah. Well, do you want to know the real sad thing is that I could make it on my cricket because that's how basic I am. <laughs> I have a cricket, but it's the same as like, it took me like three years to ever publicly acknowledge that I had a Peloton anything. Cause I had to wait for other people to stop talking about theirs. Darn it. Oh, I want one of those I like, so bad. <laughs> I, I love it so much. I'm so in the cult, but I, but I'm like, I won't, I'm like, but I pretend that I'm not. <laughs> I'm like, again, I'm like, I'm so tragically basic. And, um, that's like, that's my husband's favorite joke <laughs> he goes he's like because I have basic white girl fall and he likes um so he's always like oh it's a pumpkin spice latte time it's your time you have your basic white girl drink and then when the chestnut praline latte comes out um later he was like it's complex biracial man winter <laughs> that's the I'm like good for you I love it <laughs> so how we laugh <laughs> coffee dates together okay that's when the I coffee know. dates get real <laughs> Yes. Well, where can everyone keep up with you online? Oh, I'm I'm a little bit of everywhere and sometimes nowhere. So I am on Instagram is where you get a lot of like my you get you get good posts, but you also get photo dumpy posts because that's, I love the photo because, dumpy. Well, I love it. it used to be my personal Instagram. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, it's still a little bit that it, it is a work. But like, when I first started on Instagram, they weren't using it for publishing stuff. So that was actually the thing I had that wasn't for publishing. And then oh. Harlequin was like, you really need to start using your Instagram. <laughs> and unfortunately, because I write, because Macy Yates is my real name, then all my social media <laughs> turns into being a, so I was like, oh, that was like my personal thing. So, but you still get things that are like, sometimes like my baking and stuff that I don't post on Facebook because I like Instagram. That's probably my favorite social media. Mm -hmm. um, and so, but I'm also on Facebook. Um, I have a Facebook page. It's the one with my author page on it. If you pull up a more personal looking profile, that's my private profile where I just post pictures of my children for relatives that don't live here. Um, and then um, I am on TikTok, but very intermittently. I had something go super viral and it weirded me out. So I like, <laughs> quit posting. Yeah. Because it was weird and I didn't like it actually at all. So sometimes, every time I post, I'm like, do I want a lot of people to see this or do I not? It's attention. So yeah, so I'm on there too. Um, and that that's where you can find me. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with me today and, you know, saying yes at my very random, like, oh my God, Maisie, we no, have to talk to you so much. It was so fun. <laughs>